Amen. Give God a clap of praise this morning. And we thank you, praise team, for leading us to God in worship. Well, welcome to Life Community Church this morning. Uh, Over the last few weeks, we have been uh, preaching and teaching about the subject of spiritual warfare. And we have been looking at uh, the account of that from the book of Ephesians chapter 6. So if you do have your Bible, turn into Ephesians 6 this morning. And we've learned a lot so far. We've learned that those that are in Christ are in a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle that is raging between uh, the Lord and the forces of evil. We know that Satan is not a mythical um, creature. He's a real being. He is the tempter, the adversary, and he wants to steal the glory of God from our churches and our families and our neighborhoods and our schools, and he wants to, to cause havoc in that way. But what we're learning is that the Lord Jesus equips us and prepares us for the battles that we face and for the battles that we find ourselves in. We know that um, it is in Christ. We talked about the spiritual armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the gospel, the, sh- the, the shoes of the peace, the, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. Really, we are just clothed in Christ. Our protection is being in Jesus and standing firm in Christ. But yet, it doesn't end there. The apostle Paul continues to teach us more about spiritual warfare in that section that we'll look at today. You know, one thing that about warfare is that you have to have communication on the battlefield. You have to have people that are in touch with each other. Like, for example, if a, if a commander is looking out over the various battles that are fighting, he needs to know to how to plan and organize. He needs to know how to send this one over here and that one over there. And all throughout history, there has been a record of military communications. All throughout history, all the earliest known wars have had military communication. Um, some of the early ancient wars would have runners, literal people that would run from this section of the army to that section on foot. That would then evolve into horseback riders and even the things like drums and smoke signals and, and, and flags to where now in military communication, we have advanced equipment that can you know, com, you know, transmit through satellite and all this type of thing just to make sure that in wartime, in battle time, that the commanding officer is giving the correct directions to those engaged in war. Um, if you study the military, military history, there is, or just wars in general, battles in general, general one of the greatest blunders that ever happened in regards to communication on the battlefield happened in 1854 when the British were fighting the Russians in the Crimean War. Apparently, there was, the Russians were trying to uh, remove captured guns from an overrun Turkish position. And they had to go in, the British needed to go in and stop the Russians from removing this cache of weapons. Now, they had two types of brigades. One was called the Heavy Brigade. And they were kind of shock troopers. They would come in. They were big forces. They were equipped to do face-to-face battle, that sort of thing. Then there was the light brigade. The light brigade often rode on horseback, and they often had uh, sabers or swords. And their job was reconnaissance or maybe to continue to chase people that were already on the run. Uh, The commander was trying to figure out exactly how to stop this Russian group 
from stealing the guns. Well, needless to say, they were, they were heavily armed because they had possession of guns. They had possession of weapons. But the man that was responsible to deliver the message confused the order. Instead of sending the heavy brigade, he sent the light brigade. An, an army of men that rushed in against 25,000 Russian soldiers, 2,500, sorry, 2,500 Russian soldiers, 2,500 Russian soldiers armed with guns and then with swords. Needless to say, it was a bloodbath. And the British came back in defeat from that battle. Is communication important in warfare? Absolutely. Wrong intel, wrong communication could result in casualties. Did you know that spiritual warfare is no different? That when we are engaged in the enemy and he is tempting us and trying to rob the glory of God from our churches and our communities and our schools and our families, when the enemy is trying to do that, we must be in communication with the heavenly commander. We must be listening to the voice of our Father to guide us and lead us when the enemy is assaulting us. Now, listen, it's not horseback, it's not, it's not flags, it's not drums, it's not smoke signals. That is not our communication. But the communication that we have, wartime communication, is simply this. It's the power of prayer. It is prayer that is the missing key in spiritual warfare. Prayer should not surprise us that it's, that it's heavily involved in warfare. When you begin to study biblically about prayer, prayer happened really, really early on in the scriptures. In Genesis 4, chapter 4, verse 26, uh, it says that the people began to call on the name of the Lord. That was the first time when people began to call on God. In the very early days of human history, they, they called on the Lord. Thousands of years later, the Apostle Paul would write this in Romans 12. He would say, the same Lord of all richly blesses, blesses all who call on him. God promises to bless you if you call on his name. The famous devotion writer Oswald Chambers, who many of you all read his book, My Utmost for His Highest, writes this about prayer. He says, the prayer of the feeblest saint who lives in the spirit and keeps right with God is a terror to Satan. The very powers of darkness are paralyzed by prayer. No spiritualistic seance can succeed in the presence of a humbling, praying saint. No wonder Satan tries to keep our minds fussy in active work till we cannot think or pray. One of the greatest tools that we have in spiritual warfare is prayer. And when Paul talks about the armor of God, we stop right when it, right when it says the sword of the Spirit. But Paul does not stop there. Paul immediately begins to connect the physical act and the spiritual act of prayer to spiritual warfare. Now, 
It's no surprise that Satan fights prayer probably more than anything else. The reading of God's word and the preaching of God's word, Satan attacks, and the act of prayer, Satan attacks, because those two are two big mamma jammas. Y'all with me on that, church? They are really, really big, big deals. And so Satan really attempts to strike at prayer. Now, we say, man, when they took prayer out of school, that's when it all went down. Well, friend, listen. I understand how unbelieving teachers and unbelieving students will remove prayer from school. But what I cannot understand is why God's children remove prayer from the church house. That's what I cannot understand. I don't know if the answer is prayer back in school. Maybe the answer is prayer back in the church. You know, there was a time in our history where we had fervent prayer meetings where it wasn't just, you know, you come and let's just read, you know, who's got a prayer request? Well, let's pray for Aunt Bertha. You know, she's got a broken toe that's going to heal naturally on its own in about a week or two. So let's, let's pray for it. No, they used to have fervent prayer meetings where they would gather together and they would call on the name of the Lord, just like it says in Genesis 4 and Romans 10, they would call on the Lord. See, our culture has totally written off prayer when we say that we love prayer. What do you mean by that, Kenny? I cannot tell you how many times people will say, Kenny, will you pray for me? And I'll say, sure, let's pray. And as soon as I do that, they're like, uh, you mean like right now? Well, yeah, you asked me to pray for you, right? Well, I'm not just going to tell you I'm praying for you and not walk away and pray with you. See, we have prayers become like some sort of like good luck statement or something praying for you we put on facebook prayers but really did you stop and fervently lift that person to the lord before you typed prayers like did you actually pause and lift them before the throne of god in the name of jesus maybe you did but so often i fear that that's just something we're saying it's something that we're saying so what i understand is that prayer has been removed from the church. It's been removed. Um, we, we reduce it to maybe an opening prayer at the beginning of the service and a closing prayer at the end. But, but where is the waiting on the Lord? Where is the labor of prayer? Can you, what do you mean waiting on the Lord? We well, you know there was a time when people would gather and they would call on the Lord and just sit in his presence waiting for God to speak to them, waiting, and and not looking at a clock, but waiting till God visited them and waiting for the Spirit to be there. There was a time when people interceded boldly. Those are also the times that great revival came to our nation. Did you know that? Do you think there is a coincidence that those type of prayer meetings were removed and great revival from our nation was removed too? You think there's maybe a connection there of something not working? You smack prayer onto a service. We're going to have a prayer service. Boy, it's like, you know, boy, everybody runs at the prayer service. They're scared to death of it. And I hear every excuse in the book, every one of them. Well, Kenya, I just, you know, I just don't know what to say when I pray. Or I'm nervous when I pray. Or I'm too busy to pray. Friend, I hate to tell you this. I hear you, but you've been lied to. 
Why do you think prayer is in connection to spiritual warfare? You ready? When you make lame excuses for prayer, you know what it is? Satan has blinded you. You have rejected the ultimate resource and weapon in addition to the word of God in the power of prayer. You've rejected it. Do you want to know why churches are weak? Communities are weak? Neighborhoods are weak? Your families are weak? Do you want to know why? Because there's not been fervent prayer. There's not been a collective crying out in the name of Jesus and a passion for prayer. We've become weak and dull and immune and calloused to prayer meetings, and we reject them. You say you believe in prayer, but you only believe in what you practice. You only believe in what you practice. So today, what I understand about spiritual warfare is if Satan can stop you from fervently praying, he's whipped you. You've been whipped. And the glory of God will be suffering in your life and the blessing of God will be removed from your life. Oh, how we need prayer. We look at Ephesians and we look at verse 18. Remember, Paul is not done talking about spiritual warfare. It's in the same passage. And he says in verse 18, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me, Paul says, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Father, may you bless your word, burden our hearts for fervent prayer today. In your name, amen. If you desire victory today over the enemy's attacks in your family, in in your church, in your community, here's the big take home. Here's the big key. If I want victory, I must pray. If I want victory, I must pray. Learn how to pray. Isn't it interesting when the disciples were with Jesus, they never said, teach us how to preach. They never said, teach us how to be evangelist. They never said that. What did they say? Lord, teach us how to pray. Prayer is super critical. We know this about prayer from the text. We know that, I'm, I, that we need to pray. I must pray today. When, when I pray, I must pray spiritually and specifically today. I must pray spiritually and specifically. Look at what Paul says in the beginning of verse 18. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer request. He tells us three things in the introduction of prayer, that we are to pray at all times, we are to pray in the spirit, and with various prayer requests. Now, what does this mean? What does it mean to pray at all times in the spirit and with um, prayer requests? Well, first, all times. That's not really that hard to understand. God wants us in every situation that we find ourselves in to commit that to prayer. Everything that we do. This involves our family. It involves our children. It involves our church. It involves our neighbors. It involves our schools. Everything should be committed to prayer. 
Now, what blows me away so often in church life is that there'll be a team that meets to make a decision or something. And they'll sit around a table. And if there's prayer, if there's prayer, you know, they'll say, all right, we got to talk about this. What do you think? All right, what do you think? Okay, what do you think? Okay, what do you think? All right, the consensus looks like we're doing this. Let me tell you something. Every time the apostles, every time the disciples made a consensus together, they normally were wrong. (laughs) Did you know that? They went and woke up Jesus on the boat and said, Lord, we're about to die. They were in complete 100% boat agreement that they were about to die. They were unanimous in that decision. But they didn't talk to who that day? Jesus. What would it look like if we spent 30 minutes of a committee meeting calling on the Lord? Well, Kenny, that's a waste of time. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. If you start treating your work like that, things are going to start coming so quick and easy. Boom, you'll be out of there as soon as you say amen. Because God will show you what's happening. Every situation, that family child, that, that, that family member, that child that's been prodigal, that's running away from God, lift them to the Lord. Pray for them. Fervently pray. And it says what? In the spirit. What does that mean? Well, God hears us, but he doesn't listen to all of us. I was reminded about that this week in a video that I watched. He hears all of us, but he only listens to those that are born again, those that have a relationship with Jesus. Because when we pray, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is involved in our prayer. So when we're praying, we have to have a relationship with Jesus for our prayers to to be effective. Now, when we pray in the Spirit, that simply means, Chuck Lawless says this about prayer, he says, praying in the Spirit means living in the very presence of the God whom we speak. Living in the presence of the God of whom we speak with. Praying in the Spirit is having a relationship with the Lord, trusting with God, trusting in him, and praying in the name of Jesus with the Spirit involved in us. Now, sometimes prayer can take on very many different forms. And you read in the book of Romans, it says sometimes the Spirit himself prays for us with groans that that, that we can't understand. What does that mean? It means there's sometimes that you are in the presence of God and you're laying down in the presence of the Lord, and you're, and you're seeking God, and you're just overwhelmed, and you don't have the words to say. So you just sit there, and you know God's doing something, but you don't know what it is, and you're just silently waiting upon the Lord. You know what's happening during that time? You might think you're being quiet, but actually it's not. The Spirit of God is moving and is praying for you. Well, King, that doesn't sound too Baptist the way you're talking this morning. Well, listen, I'm a Southern Baptist to my bone, but I'm a Bible believer to my spirit. And what I, listen, it, when it boils down to the Word of God, the Word of God takes precedence over everything else. And I know that when I pray, the Bible teaches us that there is a spiritual process that happens. This is why you can't rush prayer. It's why you got to wait on the Lord, and, and you've got to be ready 
for prayer. You've got to commune with God. So we need to be praying in the spirit, but also with what? Every kind of prayer request. You need to know what to specifically list before God. How do you know that God answers a prayer unless you have specifically asked him of that? How do you know if he's answered? When you pray for general vague ideas and vague concepts, you won't know if God answers it or not until you pray specifically. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you're praying today for something that God's word forbids, God ain't going to answer that. God will only work within the confines of what his scripture says, meaning that if you're saying, Lord, bless this relationship, but the relationship is ungodly, guess what? God ain't going to bless it. That ain't going to happen. So we understand that we must pray specifically. What are you praying before the Lord? What are you laying before God? This is a, this is a great tool against the enemy because when you lay things before the Lord, you know how to pray. My views on prayer were radically shaped a few years ago, several years ago, when we took our very first mission trip to New York City and we went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. How many of you all went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle? Many of you all did. Uh, Jim Simbola wrote the famous book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. If you haven't read that, I would highly recommend you to get it, read it off of Amazon. It's a, if you want to know a little bit of your pastor's heart, and that, that book has shaped me in a great way, you can see that. But, um, but at the same time, we went, and I was just so blown away. These are people that line up to go to a prayer service. Like, did you hear that? They line up for it. The Tuesday night that we went, people were getting there two hours early to prepare for prayer. I'd never heard somebody talk about preparing for prayer. I didn't know what that meant until I went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle, that they went and they sat in the quietness and they read their Bible and they they, they went to, some of them went to the altar and they just confessed before the service ever began. They were communing with God. How many of you all saw that when we went? Raise your hand. Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? And then when the prayer service began, it was like, the, it was like somebody lit a Holy Ghost stick of dynamite in the place. Yeah, you know what? When you're preparing spiritually two hours in advance for a worship service, something's going to go off. Something's going to happen. You know, we can have that in our church. Did you know that? You just got to start. A, you just got to get involved. Start praying. You can have it here if you want it. If you want it. If you want it. Oh, how God can move and do great things. And you know, I'm going to tell you something. In that prayer service, the pastor got up and he said, "You know what? Where it's time for us to pray." And they handed cards out, kind of like what we do. That's where I got the idea for it. To be honest with you, cards and. They said, now you're going to pray for this card, and if you're not willing to pray out loud, please leave the building so we can have fervent prayer in here. Now, some of y'all would have melted like butter in a microwave, baby. You know what I mean? That's what would have happened. But for some of our people, that was the first time they ever prayed out loud, and God did a great work. That sounds, that sounds, I don't know if I could just do that. Friend, listen, you're buying into Satan's bag. You've got to get over this nonsense because that is the enemy messing with you. That's why there's spiritual weakness. That's why we see a lack of revival because we're scared to pray. Hey, the Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of... So if you're afraid to pray, who is that coming from? The enemy. The enemy. 
Some of y'all tough. Big boys in here. Go whoop me in the parking lot when this is done. You know what I mean? You could. But you scared to death chicken to pray. Listen, I love you. But Satan's got you on a leash this morning. He's walking you around. Walking you around and you're scared. Oh, how we need to learn to pray. But we, when we pray, we must learn to pray consistently for the church. So I have to make the decision to pray consistently for the church or continuously for the church. Now, when we say church, we're not talking about, you know, here's the walls, here's the steeple. No, the church is not a building. You guys know that, right? The church are born-again believers that are in covenant with each other or community with each other under spiritual leadership like a pastor. That's what a church is. The word church in the Greek is the word ekklesia, which means the called-out ones, the gathered-together ones, and that's what the church is. But look what Paul says in the second part of verse 18. He says, And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints or the church or for those that know Jesus Christ. He tells us that we are to pray for our fellow Christians. And part of that involves staying alert, persevering, and interceding. And some of you all are like, well, what in the world is alert prayer, persevering prayer, and intercessional prayer? You've never heard that before. You're, like, you're thinking, well, I just thought you just said a prayer. I didn't know about all this perseverance and intercession prayer. What are we talking about today? Understand that Paul wants us to pray for our fellow brothers and sisters. And when we do this, we are to pray alert, meaning that our prayers are, yes, are to be used with our mind, with our spirit, absolutely, but also with our mind as well. That we are to know how to pray for people. We are to know how what, and what they're dealing with so we know specifically how to pray. So when we pray for our brothers and sisters, it doesn't just need to say, need to be, God bless Stephen. I need to go to Stephen and say, Stephen, what are you dealing with? How can I pray for you? I find out what Stephen is dealing with, and then I go with an alert mind, pray for Stephen. Does that make sense? I understand what Stephen is doing. And then there's this idea of perseverance. What is perseverance? It's ongoing. See, many of us, we will pray one time and we treat prayer like some sort of like magic genie. That if we rub the lamp, God pops out and says, what do you want? And that's not what prayer is. It's not like some magic get your wish type thing. That's not what it is. What prayer is, sometimes it involves us laboring before the Lord for a long time. For a long time. And sometimes laboring for other people. For a long time. Jesus said, he gave many parables about knocking and waiting for the Lord to do something. He gave us many parables about that. In one of them, he said, when the Lord returns, will he find anyone with faith? Meaning, did you give up short on your prayer life? Did you keep praying and then one day you just said, oh, it ain't happening. I'm dropping it. The Lord wants us to persevere. Then he wants us to intercede for people. What does that mean? That means that we go, we know the issue, we're willing to pray for the issue for some time, but when we are praying, we are bringing that person before the throne of God. 
and we're pleading for that person. There is a love for that person. There is, there is a care for that person that you are interceding for them. Our church is very, very blessed to have an amazing prayer team at our church. Whenever you write on your connection card a prayer request, it gets collected and it goes to our prayer team. Our prayer team meets faithfully every Monday night to pray over every request. And let me tell you something. I know these people. They're not just putting it out and saying, God, bless all the cards. They're not doing that. They're not doing that at all. What they're doing is they are reading through every single request from every single Sunday. And look around. How many, Jerry, do y'all get about, a, about a, roughly a Sunday? About 40 every Sunday that come in. And they take time every Monday to pray for each and every individual request that you offer. You know, we don't have like a prayer list at our church. I guess there's nothing wrong with them except the reality is they don't ever get used. What prayer lists do is they just get wadded up and thrown in a trash can. So what we do, we have a prayer ministry. And that request goes to the Lord. It goes before the Lord and it's offered. Let me give you an example let me just give you an example if I can today. Our prayer team fervently prayed. Was it two years? For Alan Miller. I'm not trying to embarrass Alan. I'm not. But it just, well, yeah, there he is. Just go ahead and get it out of the woods, right? And uh, we prayed fervently that God would give Alan a kidney. Our prayer team organizes our first Tuesday night prayer service where we take those cards and then we gather together and then we pray for them again in groups, again. So if you submit a prayer request, it's like pray for like five times in a month's time. We prayed fervently for Alan for two years for a kidney. And then God spoke to a fellow church member, Nikki Coons. And God laid it on Nikki's heart to give her kidney to Alan. Tell me prayer is not powerful. So there's a piece of Nikki's here and she's a little bit over there too, you know. I mean, it just kind of happens. But what I'm saying is this. We must pray for our church members and love them. By the way, if you're not in a prayer group the prayer ministry, or if you're not in a life group or some sort of small group where you can interact with people, you'll never know how to pray for somebody. Did you know that? You'll never know how to pray for somebody unless you're close to people. But we also know that Paul would teach us one more thing about prayer and spiritual warfare, is that when we pray, not only are we to pray in the spirit and pray specifically, and then we are to pray constantly or continuously for the church, but we are also to pray for missionaries and their message. Now look what Paul says at the end of this section. Pray also for me. Where was Paul? Paul was in jail when he wrote this. He was chained up. 
Now, he, he didn't commit a crime. He was just preaching the gospel, right? That's all he was doing was preaching Jesus. And the dude got arrested and locked up. So could you blame Paul if he said, pray for me that God would release me from jail? Could anybody blame him for that? Lord, get me out of the jail cell. Will you pray for me back in Ephesus that God will get me out of jail? Is that what he says? No, he says, pray also for me not to get out of jail, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in what? In chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Isn't this interesting? Paul, the great missionary, when he asks for prayer, he just simply says, pray that I'm more bold. Have you read about Paul in the book of Acts? That dude was one bold turkey. He was like extra leaded, caffeinated coffee. You know I mean? He was intense. And what's he praying for? To be bolder for Jesus. And you know what this meant? Pray that while I'm in jail... I have opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Can you imagine being the guard that's responsible for watching over the Apostle Paul? You get into work and get a sermon from the moment you got in to the moment you left. Now, how many of us will say, well, Kenny, I would share Jesus. I would tell him, but you don't understand. Nobody in my work wants to hear it. Now, do you think those Roman soldiers wanted to hear it from Paul? I mean, really, do you think they wanted to hear it? But Paul said, what? Pray that I'm bold enough to tell them. Listen, the lost world often does not want to hear it, which is why you need the boldness to what? To tell it. The boldness to share it. But we think about Paul's work, and just like Paul, the great missionary, there are missionaries all over that need our prayers because they go into areas where they could be arrested for the gospel. You know that, right? I mean, they go into dark areas, areas that Satan really has a stronghold over. They go into areas where, where, where it's illegal to talk about Jesus, illegal, where you could be killed for preaching Jesus. Oh, how they need our prayers that God will make them bold and, and make them effective. How... A missionary may, may travel into Appalachia or they may travel into New York City or they may travel into Africa or Europe or the Middle East or into Islamic countries. Every day I pray, most days I pray for about three missionaries. About every morning, I prayed for them this morning. And I lift them up to the Lord because I know that they have unique challenges. Two of them, many of you all have met, are Sterling Edwards and Brian Johnson. They are the church planters we're working with in New York City. And I pray for them almost every day that God would make their work effective because New York is a very secular city that needs Jesus, that needs the gospel. And then I pray for my friends, the Scots, my friends, the Scots are in a Southeast Asian country that I cannot tell you the name of because in that country, it is an Islamic country. 
You can be a Christian in that country, but you cannot convert to be a Christian. Meaning what? That if you were born Islamic, you must stay Islamic or you're going to jail. They are raising their two children in that country for Jesus. And I pray for them every day as they spread the gospel every day that God would help them. Then there's another group of missionaries that I pray for, and it's the missionaries that Owensboro, Kentucky. You know who they are? You guys. That Jesus would use you at your place of work. Jesus would use you in, in your, your neighborhood, in your community, where you shop at, who you interact with, to show the love of Jesus and to show care. You know, I would hate to talk about prayer and especially praying for missionaries and not actually pray for missionaries, right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to see who wants to pray. Who would come today and pray for Sterling and Brian in New York City? Pray for their work, Jerry. They're having church prayer about right now. Oh, holy God, we come in the name of Jesus, lifting up Sterling and that church in Park Slope. God, they have a, they're in a place where sin is all around them. It's prevalent. Satan is moving in a horrible, horrible, horrific way. But God, through your Holy Spirit, you can use this church and use the people. We lift them up. Give them strength. Give them courage. Give them the boldness they need. And God, as we send people up there to help, may we also continue that boldness and with the Holy Spirit that souls will be won. We lift them up at this time and pray for their continued success. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Who will pray for my friends, the Scots, Nathan and Alexis, in that Southeast Asian country? Father, we thank you for uh, men and women like Nathan and Alexis. We thank you for giving them the heart to go overseas, Lord, in a country where it's illegal to uh, be a Christian, Lord. And we just thank you that they're bold enough to go there and share the gospel with those people and just reach out and share the love that you have for them. We also uh, pray for their little kids, that you keep them safe while they're over there, Lord, and that they grow up to be bold, just like their parents, Lord, and that they just continue to get to know you, Lord, through their parents, and that their parents be a light for you to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Who will pray that our church would have boldness to be missionaries in our neighborhood and in our workplaces? Shane, come on. Pray for our church. Shane. Through Father, I just pray for the Holy Spirit to be with everyone in our church, that we take the word of the word of the gospel of you, Heavenly Father, that we take it to heart, take it to soul, take it to mind, and able to spread it to our neighbors, our family members, our work, or anyone who clearly just needs to hear your word, Heavenly Father, that no matter how far and wide we, we reach, Heavenly Father, that our community, our church will have that spirit of you, Heavenly Father, to know that it is you talking through them. I don't love they have for them. I don't love they have for you. You talking to them, basically, that you speak through bone. They speak through bonus of you to others, Heavenly Father, so they get a chance to see you, get to feel you, get to know you, and embrace the love that you have for each and every one of us, Heavenly Father. So I pray that 
Pray, pray that you will, Heavenly Father, that you, con that you continuously bless our church with the boldness of you, Heavenly Father, so we can continuously just push your love, push your gospel to others, Heavenly Father, with the nothing but intense love that you have for each and every one of us, with the intense love you have for, e for everyone, everyone else outside this church and as far as far wise we can get, Heavenly Father, that you be with us to, with us to spread that love of your gospel, Heavenly Father, to as many as possible through your love, your Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father. Continue. Thank, so thank you so much. Again, thank you for just who you are, Heavenly Father. You're allowing us as a church, a family, to even do this, Heavenly Father. And I pray all these things, dear Lord, through Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Shane was saved out of Jehovah Witnesses when he's before the church praying for people. Amen. God's so good. God's so good. Oh, how we must be committed to prayer. If you want a weak church, if you want a weak marriage, if you want a weak family, a weak neighborhood, a weak nation, just don't pray. But if you want to see the exact opposite and the power of God and the glory of God, Do what they did in Genesis 4. Call on the name of the Lord. Maybe today you've never given your heart to Jesus. You know, God begins to answer our prayers and hear our prayers when we pray the very first one that matters. The prayer to receive him as your Savior. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you done that? Has Jesus in your life, have you been born again? Do you know Christ the Savior? Maybe today you are a Christian. You know the Lord, you've been saved. But your wartime communication has been awfully weak. And it's time to repent of that and to be recommitted to prayer. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to encourage you today during our prayer time to spend time with the Lord to recommit to prayer because that is a crucial element of winning in spiritual warfare to recommit to being a praying Christian if God is laying on your heart to accept Jesus I want you to walk that aisle and give your life to Christ I'm going to pray for you Father we thank you for Christ and how we pray in this moment now that, God, we would be so serious about prayer that we would just pray for hedges of protection over our church and over our families and that we would see your spirit move in us. Oh, Lord, today, may we be known as a house of prayer, Father. Not just saying it and not meaning it, but, Father, help us.